This is Jesse Hensley. And this is Josh Turner. Welcome to Turn Down for What. Welcome back to Turn Down for What. We have a special episode today. So a few weeks ago, we've been talking about aircraft and what their impact is into the EV space. And for us personally, when we started talking about the charging stations and the EV space well, a year ago, year and a half ago, and looking into the different, uh, different types of EV, everything that's there, we had no clue the type of aircraft that would be coming out on the market or what their impact is going to be into the community. So uh, today we're going to be going over some of those programs and some of those, I guess, items that we've been discussing. And we have a, a very special guest, Josh. Yes. I mean, a lot of people, when they think of EVs, you know, like like we've said in the past, it's strictly the cars. And we, I mean, that's mostly what we focused our attention on is the vehicles, because that's what's out. That's what's driving. That's what the infrastructure is working towards. However, there is the secret hidden, uh, not hidden so gem. The hidden gem that's not so widely known yet, but it is taking strong momentum. Um, and that is the EV airspace. And that's something that we've been researching for a while. We're really, really excited about. Um, and, you know, it's, it's amazing when I did the research how far along that industry is already coming um, and, you know, where the trajectory of it's headed. Um, and that's why we got connected to Mr. Ian Villa. Um, he's located here in Tennessee, um, but he is, uh, I'll let him do a full introduction, but he's with Whisper Arrow, um, which is a company that is working on some unique aspects of the jet, the propulsion thrust technology yeah introduce yourself all those things welcome thank you thank you thank you um yeah my name is ian villa i am the co-founder and coo of a startup in tennessee called whisper arrow we are focused on delivering the next generation of cleaner quieter more efficient thrust for drones for aircraft uh, and really for everything that has to move a lot of air um other than john and Josh and Matt. <laughs> I was talking about lots of air. I, I don't know if you guys passed that much. <laughs> um, so my background's in actually it's it's an aircraft design, even though it's a propulsion company. Whisper is a propulsion company. Um, after I finished school, I ended up joining Northrop Grumman's advanced design team. This is like their skunk works. Worked on things that are subsonic, supersonic, manned, unmanned. Some of those things were quiet. Um, and after working there for a little bit, uh, my co-founder, Mark Moore, who's our CEO at Whisper, and Jeff Holden, the former chief product officer at Uber, uh, found me and recruited me and gave me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I ended up switching and joining Uber Elevate in 2017. Elevate was Uber's initiative for all things aviation. Uh, I started off on the vehicle design side. Uh, ended up leading our aircraft partnerships, bringing in folks like Boeing, Bell, Embraer, uh, startups like Joby, and then even automotives like Toyota and Hyundai into Uber's, Uber Elevate's extended ecosystem. And that was cool because we got to see all the tech. You know, you were talking about sort of these advancements that have been happening. We were there in the thick of it, seeing the hardware and the people behind it and, you know, the people actually controlling the capital into these things. Um, and then in 2019, I sort of shifted from being very aircraft centric to taking a, a broader perspective. The head of Elevate came to me and said, hey, we have all these different pieces of the puzzle. We have 
aircraft, operations, economics, noise, weather, airspace, demand. Um, but we need to put it together and come up with a way to figure out how we go to market and then how we scale that. So I ended up becoming the head of strategy for Elevate, um, led about a fifth of the, of the team. We had software engineers, analysts, product analysts, um, operations folks. And we put together this you know, big simulation system in order to figure out what the world looks like in the future for all, all kinds of aviation platforms that could be on the, the Uber uh, network. Uh, we looked at air taxis, we looked at you know, drone delivery, we looked at regional jets. Um, and now uh, a lot of those, those early playbooks we put together, they're being enacted by Joby since Joby took, um, acquired the LV team. And uh, when they did that, that presented a really good opportunity for Mark and I to start Whisper. Because the thing that we learned from all these studies is that you know, despite how quiet some of these newer electric aircraft are, they're still not quiet enough. Uh, and quiet's important if you really want to get to scale. You know, if you really want the future of flight for, of people and things every day for everyone, it's got to be affordable. And the only way you get to affordable is if you can amortize the cost of those flights you know, flying every minute of every single hour of every single day. Uh, and you can't do that if, if you're not quiet. So we, we saw the tech, we saw the market case, and we were at this kind of nice intersection where we understood just how quiet you had to be. And we had a, uh, an inkling of what, you know, the future propulsion looked like. And that's what we, we ended up building out here at Whisper. Awesome. Well, so... Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. So when you look at that, though, your technology obviously is in the thrust part of this. So can you explain to everybody roughly what that means? So the, yeah. the aircraft that you have, you have multiple single, looks like a jet engine on the side of it. And we will be getting a, a photo up now for people to see this beautiful aircraft. Um, but what else could you use of that technology? You know, what other things are you looking at to be able to take that technology from a jet and then use it? throughout everyday life for everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're a propulsion company first that uh, I think you're talking about the the Whisper Jet Vision vehicle. Yes. Yeah, so that's that's a concept vehicle. Be awesome if if we get that off the ground. Um, no pun intended. Literally, yeah, literally. <laughs> um, it all starts with the thruster. And the cool thing about Whisper is that this tech, it scales. You know, you, you look at a turbofan, you look at a turbojet, the combustion part of that makes it really hard to scale down. That's why commercial drones today, you don't see a, a combustion engine on it. You have you know, four electric motors and, and propellers today. Um, but we think that if you have to get to quieter and you have to get to safer um, and more reliable you know, thrust for applications that impact everybody's daily lives, it ends up looking like this uh, electric ducted fan. And so the tech inherently scales. I mentioned, you know, we have a drone out there that's been flying for over a year that we use for developmental testing. Um, obviously, there's a lot of aviation applications where you can use a multitude of these. But fundamentally, we move air more cleanly, quietly, and efficiently than other things out there. And so there's a world where we're able to layer our technology into leaf blowers, into HVAC systems, stovetop fans, bathroom fans, cooling fans for, you know, electric chargers. Uh, just anything that really needs to move a lot of air. Data centers. Data centers. Yeah, our goal is to be a part of that. Uh, and and it, it is just this cool, you know, foundational, fundamental technology 
that has so much potential to, to impact the world and make it you know more productive and, and cleaner and safer and that's that's really what we're we're here to go do just yeah because i mean obviously the immediate impact of your space you know is targeting the the aircraft but i mean fan technology is everywhere and yeah so, i mean you if once you perfect that um it can be utilized in in many different aspects like you're saying i mean that's that's something that cooling systems are in pretty much anything and everything and makes everybody a fan <laughs> That's so cool. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Well, one of our investors puts it, you know, really well. And we're, we are lucky enough to be invested um, by Robert Downey Jr. in his sustainability fund, Footprint Coalition. And if you have not seen his television program, oh, Downey's, so cool. oh, yeah, I sent it, I sent it to you this yeah. morning. I was telling him that he needed to watch uh, Downey's Dream Cars. Downey's Dream Cars. Wonderful show. Uh, love to talk to some of their people. They've done a, a, a really good job and not just, I mean, and again, if you watch a show, the great part about it, it is it, it's not shoving it. It is, hey, here's other technologies you can do. Here's biodiesel. Here's, you know, making stuff more efficient. You know, not a one, one and done uh, trial, but it's here's multitude of ways to make things better. And I think that's the goal of everybody is how can you do multiple things that help a little bit, you know, we're, uh, it all stacks. It, yeah. It stacks it together. Stacks. Yeah. Yeah. He, he has this quote where he says the future has to be as considerate as it is compelling. Um, you know, he, we were lucky enough for him to actually say that in, a, in our first article from their team. And, uh, we believe it. We a hundred percent believe that. So, you know, the things that we're looking to enable, regardless of whether it's in the sky or on the ground, uh, we want to make that, you know, considerate and compelling future. And one part of that is obviously hybrid. Now, this is something I'd never considered until we were talking earlier, is that uh, when you hear EV aircraft, it isn't just a, a battery electric motors and that's all. But what if you use part of it to get up at a certain elevation and one's more efficient than the other, you turn the other one off and run just on say electric while you're there. Is that something that is, uh, that people are looking at? Can you kind of oh, overlook that technology? hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think, so the future of aviation, uh, especially sustainable aviation, uh, there's a lot of different categories for it. And if you're in the industry, a lot of people refer to it as advanced air mobility. There's a lot of different subsections. There's urban air mobility, there's regional air mobility, there's all these other pockets, you know, there's the drone delivery use case. I'm sure you guys have seen videos on Amazon Prime Air and yeah. Google Wing. <laughs> there's all these, these facets that sort of umbrella under what we call advanced air mobility. And, you know, depending on the mission, if you're going long range or short range, there are different kinds of powertrain solutions and energy storage solutions for that. So, you know, certainly for these urban missions where you're trying to do these short 25 to 60 mile hops in and around an urban area, a lot of companies are looking at all electric, you know, using a battery electric solution for that. But when you start to look at, you know, the regional segment, anywhere from 50 to 500 miles, um, that's where hybrid electric gets really interesting because you really want the unit economics of all electric, right? The, the cost of electricity is really cheap compared to, you know, gas. Um, but you need to have, you know, that extra fuel, not only to take you on those missions, you sometimes have to go that are, are longer than 200 miles, um, but also the reserves, right? Like 
aviation is an industry that uh, is built on safety. And part of that means ha of having the right reserves in case things go wrong. Um, and you'd rather hold your reserves in, in gas than in a battery because the battery is going to be, you know, like 10 times heavier. Yeah. And, and most of the people we've talked to when it comes to that industry of electrics and aircraft, one of the key components they talk about is the certification of moving parts. Because mm -hmm. as you get into the electric sector, you have far fewer moving parts than you do, say, on a jet engine or a combustible engine. And you have far fewer parts that have to be certified. You have far fewer parts that need to be um, uh, taken out, replaced on a on a, on a very X amount of hours basis. And so the cost of operation becomes lower. And it, I guess it's kind of like everything else. As that cost lowers, you open the door for more people to be able to utilize that for their either travels or getting your shipment of your product to your door a lot cheaper than it would have been otherwise. And I think that's another impact for everybody, whether who you are, if these companies are using a cheaper form to get that product to your door, whether you're in that sector or not, you're directly benefiting from having a cheaper travel 100%. to get your product. So I, I don't think that we're in the next five years going to see commercial jets go electric. Um, but I think that there's a, a huge use case coming up in the near future for the short urban development, you know, like the urban use case, the missions that he's talking about. I mean, that's where you're seeing these vertical takeoff EV tall transport flights, you know, beginning to already roll out uh, through companies like Uber Elevate, which is now Joby. Um, but you're, I mean, you're also seeing that these cargo type flights um, that we researched that are actually traditional runway takeoff, you know, regional flights, um, that's coming to the market on a small scale for your puddle jumpers for the 250 mile range. You know, like you're not going to see international flights uh, go completely electric, I don't think, anytime soon. But it's, it's tougher. Yeah, it's tougher, too. I mean, it's not just the energy problem, but the certification yeah. problem as well. You know, um, in talking with the FAA, you know, everything's kind of crawl, walk, run. And we're lucky enough to be in this age where so many folks are, are looking at the future of uh, sustainable aviation and making you know, leaps and bounds to actually innovate in, in certification of these electric VTOLs and these more electric aircraft. Um, but you, know, you, don't, you don't go from certifying you know, a 5,000 pound electric vertical takeoff aircraft to then certifying a 200,000 <laughs> yeah, 200, pound yeah. jetliner um that's that's also you know re uh electric or hybrid electric or hydrogen you, you know whatever flavor of that and there's companies like alice i mean what's the seating on alice aviation yeah yeah that's another regional i think they're targeting nine passengers and a pilot yeah yeah and then the university of tennessee along with i think tennessee tech was part of it uh received a large grant uh multiple millions to develop a 32 passenger jet just I, to start the design of it i think yeah you, you know i think you want to be in sort of this part 23 certification realm where you get the nine seat, you know, nine passenger, one pilot figured out. And then as soon as that's solved, then it's going to be a much easier feat to go and look at the 30 or 50 seaters. Yeah. And it's going to be a staged release. On exactly. That. Yeah. And, and it's not just the FAA that's thinking about it this way, but, you know, the operators too. Um, and ac actually, we, we believe in this market so much, we actually recently published four papers in the American Institute for Aeronautics and Astronautics um, 
So, and I will be providing those links. Yeah. It, you can go to our website to see those, but um, yeah, it, it was uh, it was pretty big for us to show that. I mean, we really spent a lot of time uh, looking at the business case for regional, but also looking at our, our tech and showing more about the tech and how the tech and the business case come together to really open up these, these future markets. And I think the unique part about that is kind of like with our companies, you know, we're looking at it from a different angle. We're more supplying assistance to companies like yours. We're also looking at the data side of it, because when you're talking about the aircraft, you know, that drones today have a huge ability of what they can do, whether it be flying drones for surveillance or even, you know, utilizing a drone that can pick out weeds in a farm and then go take out just that weed with a drone. Now you don't have to spray the entire area with pesticides so it can reduce the price that farmers have to pay. Uh, it, it, you can go through a drones and get the distribution of corn to find out which ones did grow all the way. So you only needed a little bit of fertilizer here for the next two months. So it can save a lot of money from if you utilize it along with technology. And of course, we won't get into AI because there's a lot of different people that feel differently <laughs> about AI, AI right now. But eventually that is going to go into some of these other areas. And one area that I don't know a lot about is the drone deliveries. Now, I've seen it with Pizza Hut or, or Domino's was talking about their drone delivery for their pizza. Um, we knew Amazon a while back made their announcements with AWS. I remember one of the data centers that that I was involved with that, that that was holding some of that. So can you go over what you feel like in the next five to 10 years, the drone industry, since that's something that I'm sure you follow a lot of when it comes to either uh, deliveries for packages or deliveries for um, any other item? Uh, you, you, I'm sure you have a very, a, a much different take than other people on that one. Can you give us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, it might have been what? 2015 when when jeff bezos said you know we're gonna have amazon deliveries by drone yeah. in five years yeah and it's now 2023 <laughs> um I mean, it might have been before actually about uh, the same time we uh got our cyber truck reservation I yeah. Think, so. yeah right and we've got ours right <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe soon though hey i'm hoping so we'll see we'll first see. one rolled off the lot so i mean like the line so i mean we're, we're getting yep. close but anyways um yeah, I mean, I think the, the future of commercial drone delivery uh, is a bright one. Um, definitely timing-wise, really hard to say. Uh, but we've made way more strides in the last decade, um, and it, it feels more and more like it's accelerating. So I guess my background in drone delivery, um, a lot of people don't realize this, but at Uber, we had, we had our own like, delivery drone efforts for Uber Eats. And so we were doing a bunch of experiments with the FAA looking at beyond visual line of sight flights. You know, today, if you fly a drone commercially, you still have to have line of sight. Yeah. Uh, and so back then, back in like 2018, 2019, it was a big thing to get this beyond visual line of sight waiver to actually fly the drone way past where a, an observer could yeah. see. And, um, and now, you know, there's a few companies doing it, but you still have to apply for a waiver. And so we were able to say um, that we are the first you know, folks to deliver chicken McNuggets beyond visual line of sight. Uh, legally, legally. Yeah, 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 legally. There's going to be somebody out in West Virginia going, now, wait a minute now. <laughs> there were some videos on the internet at one point of like drones kind of like carrying a pizza by like a winch in, in San Francisco, but that was not a, that was not above board. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we did that. 
um, looked really closely at the problem and, and everything, not just from the, the operations, but you know, the unit economics and even started looking at custom drone solutions. Um, and I think back then, you know, this is coupled to why we started Whispers, just noise matters a lot still. We were playing around with these, and I don't want to say playing around, but we were, we were operating these multi-rotor um, aircraft. And, you know, despite being much smaller, 55 pounds as opposed to like a 5,000 pound eVTOL, the noise still hits you. And anybody, anybody that's been to a park or, or been at like a national, a national park or some site, and you see someone with their, their DJI drone, you hear it. Yeah. They're, they're noisy. Um, and so if you, if you just imagine a world where the, you know, people want to get their Uber Eats by drone or, you know, they forgot something in their shopping cart and now they want to order it and have the drone get, you know, get it, get to you. It's a very heart. noisy world. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you solve that. Yeah. Um, so I guess my take is you have all these companies, Google, Google wing, um, you know, Amazon prime air, uh, zip line, you have all these companies approaching it from how can I just get to market as quickly as possible and you know establish relationships and and get there with tech that's that's on the table but not really thinking as much about the responsibility piece can you, know, you can you tell us um, on any of the things that you're, that you're working on with comparative uh, with the technology that you developed the sound benefits that of the sure from what it is to other than you just have. the fact that when you build something it's your responsibility not to pollute and noise pollution is definitely something that today you see it's kind of like light pollution when you're in a city you can't look up and see the stars, the stars. Yeah. you know i was uh coming back from north carolina and i was in boo north carolina uh this past well, couple days ago and um, we stopped it was a dark place i got out and i looked up and, you know, even though I live in the mountains, I was shocked with how much I could see. And, you know, that's just today, not counting the noise part of it. If I'm at a lake or something or, a, or, or Yosemite or, or, or anywhere like that, and I start hearing several drones buzzing by, that's going to ruin it for me. So I think, Absolutely. you know, for yours, your question there is, does, obviously Whisper does, but how many other companies look at that noise pollution as something they don't need to, Add to and it. what type of savings are you seeing on the noise pollution side with your technology? Yeah, the the thing that matters most is you know, if you really want to be responsible, how do you actually produce a sound profile that masks itself into the natural ambient, right? The natural okay. ambient yeah. of your your rural, your suburban, and your urban soundscapes, and they're all kind of different. Um, what we do is we take all the tones that would typically, you know produce when you generate thrust we take all those tones and we minimize them and then the few tones that your ear would pick up you know first we move those into a region of of you know frequencies that are above human hearing and also still pleasant for your pets you know your dogs your cats you name birds uh, that's our trick and okay. what that ends up doing is from a loudness perspective, you can see, you know, anywhere from like a 10 to 15 dB benefit over other things out there. That's huge, oh, right? Yeah. dB is logarithmic. So that, that's not a linear uh, scale. That's a big, that's a big, big difference. Okay. Um, but also even, you know, even apples to apples, like your ear 
loudness is is maybe a reductive way to think about it you got to think about the entirety of the frequencies and that that is just not going to be annoying to people the way that these open rotor concepts that you see flying uh, or you see concepted out on on the internet uh, will annoy you yeah yeah so you're basically tuning the frequencies to where it's the least you might lose a little bit efficiency or, or power but it's going to be a much better impact to the community well that's the cool thing actually because it's not only quieter but the the efficiency is even better oh okay we do this trick where you know <laughs> if you look at a modern turbo fan that's on like a 737 747 787 you know these these engine companies today have to push toward these really large fans and there's a there's a big efficiency hit because of the tip gap you know it's got these big blades and there's a small, you know, very, very, um, you know, fine tolerance between the tip and the case. Very similar to how that freak, that, that turbulence is on the tips of the aircraft wing, which is why you have now the more efficient turns up. So right. you're breaking up that for as right. it gets smaller on the jet engines. Right. They, they get a lot of losses because of that tip gap. And that it's not just losses, but there's noise produced. Our technology, we, we actually have no gap. It's almost like having a wingtip on every single blade, and so oh, okay. you know, you know, a Pratt and Whitney or a Rolls Royce engine, they're they're able to achieve a fan efficiency, you know, of around ninety percent. We're able to get those same kinds of fan efficiencies, but in fans that are this small, where and that's it's even huge. harder to scale down. Which yeah. is where in the model that you uh, put out a couple of weeks ago was it mid June that you guys announced? Yeah, your... yeah, yeah. At at uh, AIAA. Which we can show a photo on the screen now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that model, is that that, are those the... That leverages the, you know, that leverages the benefits of, of not having that tip gap. Um, and so that's that's one of the, the cool benefits of the technology. Not only is it quieter, but at the fan, you're, you're now much more efficient. You leverage those efficiencies and stack them up in a way that gets you to a much better product. And our philosophy is that, you know, we're not here to just deliver a quieter, you know, propulsion solution. We want to help, you know, airframers and other companies out there deliver products that are better in every single dimension. Like when people buy a Tesla, they don't buy a Tesla just because it's electric, but it, you know, it's because there's this overall experience that's better on on many different levels. And if you Until can be, you drive an F one fifty Lightning, <laughs> and then you try to charge it somewhere, and you're like, "Where's my charger at?" So. <laughs> but yeah, if you can be cheaper. And more efficient and cleaner and quieter. Why wouldn't you be? Yeah. I mean yeah. that if you make a solution so that you know it's not just greener, but it it it's what it's the economically rational solution to go do so. Um, if you're Joe Schmo, uh, you make it really easy for everybody to sort of convert and embrace what's better for the world, especially if it's a better product. You know, that's that's I guess with our vehicles. And everybody that has moved over that hasn't drove an EV or doesn't have an EV, they don't understand a lot of the things that we go over. Fortunately, a lot of people listen do understand that. They know that when you drive a vehicle like that, you do have that propulsion that is a lot better than what you get out of the, the cars that, are, that are, are currently ICE cars. You get the ability to wake up every morning with a full tank, whether – yeah. You do have some downsides. We don't have a four or five hundred mile range like we have with the yet. The yet. Yeah. But that's where you know this is also so early in the development of these things 
that when you look at the aircraft, though, I feel like the aircraft side of this is going to have the biggest benefit because it is one of the bigger polluters when you start looking at uh, uh, burning the fuels. And then you're talking about the efficiency. I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago where, you know, you're looking at 450 or plus dollars per hour to operate the same aircraft on electric will be what, $75, $80 an hour. So that's going to mean that whether you want it or not, your goods are going to come cheaper than it would have been the other way. So, you know, why so not like that? The companies make more profit. Yeah. Or, or they'll cut <laughs> or, the cost. You know? <laughs> I mean, hope I, they cut the cost. I think it, I, I think they will. I yeah. mean, we see a world where you can make the per seat mile cost of flying on an electric or hybrid electric regional jet as cheap as driving your car today, right? The federal reimbursable cost of, of driving a car is about 62 cents, I think. Um, we think you can hit that when you electrify aircraft properly and you leverage the benefits of the right propulsion system. Um, you know, today's piston engine, you know, regional aircraft, you're, you're looking at above, you know, $1.20, in some cases, much, much higher than that. Yeah, I mean, I have, a buddy, I have a buddy that has just a, a beach craft, just a regular small aircraft, um, and he was offering to take us to Nashville and back from here. It's about a four and a half hour drive, a couple hundred nautical miles. And he was like, well, if you just pay for the fuel cost, I can take you there. I was like, okay. How much was that for you? $500. <laughs> and he was going to do it. He was going to fly us there for free. Yeah. But I can drive my electric truck there and back and spend literally $25 on electric or spend $500 on fuel. It's like it's, it's just not economic. But when you get that and the electric to get there and back then becomes $50, $75, it makes it a, a much more efficient solution for transportation. When it's the same cost as what the government would pay you to, to drive that same route and faster, it, it's a pretty easy decision. Like as long as you're willing to take a flight, you should fly. Yeah. And I mean, those. I think that there's a gigantic use case coming in the next few years for the convenience of the small nine passenger, five, 10, 12 passenger uh, use case to get from one regional area to another. And I mean, they're utilizing that with these uh, urban uh, solutions with getting people from one side of an urban area to another um, because it's so congested that makes a tremendous amount of sense. But if I'm going from here to a solution like Nashville, if I can do that efficiently, it's, it decongests the road. And if it's the equal cost, I mean, there's a gigantic, I think there's a gigantic use case for that. Since we're talking about cost, and I, we didn't talk about this earlier, so if any of this isn't information that needs to be told, then please don't. But obviously, we're talking about thrust mm -hmm. and jet engines and uh, prop planes have a certain thrust. And we have a certain thrust per dollar, I'm assuming, when it comes to the cost of that engine, whether it be a, a large jet engine or a piston engine. You know, obviously they cost a lot more than a regular engine because of the redundancies and everything. So when you compare, because you have a lot less moving parts, when you compare the amount of thrust, say, both of the wings of the prototype aircraft you're talking about, and then say, okay, this would be similar to a this size propped engine, how does it compare with cost? Is it about the same amount for the both engines, but you have less maintenance or is yours a lot cheaper? So, yeah, let's, uh, and I won't necessarily say any specific numbers, but we'll, we'll do some comparisons here. So for that regional jet you're talking about, if you compare that, that vision concept that we um, presented 
which has 22 of our um, scaled up versions of our uh, electric ducted fan versus like a PC-12, which has, you know, a single five bladed prop yep. and a piston engine on it. Uh, we think it's very possible to have an overall propulsion cost um, of those fans lower than the combined cost of that propeller and that piston engine. And what's what's cooler is that not only is it going to be cheaper to manufacture using advanced manufacturing techniques, um, you know, maintenance costs are lower. Because as no, you were alluding lower. to, you yeah. mentioned it earlier here and in the last episode, the moving part is the bearing. Mm -hmm. And then outside of that, what do you have? You have flaps. Okay, well, the flaps you already were accounting for, um, you know, between the aircraft. Um, and the other cool thing is you have redundancy. You know, you lose you lose that single piston engine. All right, you have you have zero thrust. You went from a hundred to zero. You lose one of those twenty-two electric fans. All right, you you have twenty-one out of twenty-two. Maybe you have twenty out of twenty-two if you shut off the the opposite one. Okay. Yeah. You're still just, flying. It's just, it's just, <laughs> just at flying. that point in time reduced power, but you'll be just fine. Yeah. You're falling with style. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, not even falling. Yeah. You you're able to half capacity to probably begin to fall with style. You, uh, yeah. And the other cool thing is, you know, once you land safely, uh, you can line replace those units too because they're so small. Yeah. Uh, even if you don't have to line replace it, like imagine, imagine trying to do maintenance on a large turbo fan for a jetliner, or even just imagine like a, a King Air, where you got two of those, yeah. you know, propellers and those piston engines. Mm -hmm. Imagine the downtime for that aircraft trying oh. to troubleshoot yeah. what's going on, pull that sucker off, maybe replace some parts, versus an aircraft where you have a lot of these fans. All right, you don't know what's going on with the fan, but just pull the sucker off, replace it. You're back in the air. Yeah, doesn't matter. Uh, you can design these in such a way where you have a line replaceable fan, and then you go and f when the aircraft's back being productive and useful, you take you take the time while uh, it's already taken off to figure out the maintenance. Yeah, uh, I think I think that a lot of people may have a natural insecurity about the safety of an electric plane, but like we just said, I mean, I think the the limited amount of parts. And for a system like yours, you know, if you lose your engine, you're screwed because you have one engine. Um, but it's one of those things that, you know, on a single prop. But I mean, when you're dealing with this technology, like you're saying, you can be losing fans. I mean, and it's just the fans and the battery. And so, I mean, if you have that technology, there's not, well, this part went wrong, this part went wrong. And the maintenance cost a lot of people I don't think realize the maintenance cost. I just asked a buddy. I don't know if he's going to respond. He, okay, so he did respond. His he has that Beechcraft plane. It cost him about ten to fifteen thousand dollars a year to maintenance his plane because the I mean the the standards of aircraft and the maintenance oh, wow. required for an engine that's going to take you up in the air is, is very high. All the bits and pieces and moving parts have to be checked. Well, if you eliminate that down. You're not going to be. I mean, that's a, a gigantic savings. But the average person owning a plane, fifteen thousand dollars a year for maintenance, just for a small plane. Imagine what it is on the larger. On the I larger wonder, planes. and you might be able to help with this when it is a traditional aircraft. By the time you add a full tank of fuel, which would be the difference here, and you have the battery, which is very heavy on any of these aircraft, um, when you add your type of electric motors, I would say you're probably the same weight or probably lighter weight. 
even if the batteries are on it, because once you probably apples to apples without the fuel, you're not. But once you add the fuel into that aircraft to go the same distance, say 300 miles, let's say 300, you know you're going to have to have at least 150 to 200 kVW battery to go that distance. Now you're looking on our trucks, the battery pack, I believe, is about 2,000 pounds. So 2,000 pounds of fuel would fit about that number. Um, so I would say they're about the same weight for an electric full versus a traditional aircraft full. It just depends on the mission. I mean, I think, like, if you take a PC-12 and you fill it with fuel and you, you give, like, a max range or you take, like, a Honda Jet that's a similar, uh, similar weight class and you ask what the mass, max range is, it's going to be better than, you know, an all-electric regional aircraft or even a hybrid electric one. Um, but what really matters, you know, you may have you may have an internal combustion engine car that can go 500 miles every single day. Are you driving it 500 miles no. every single day? No, no, no. no. You, you maybe barely drive 50, yeah. 20. Um, so really it's all about how can you develop the right vehicle with the right mission and then have a spectrum of solutions. You know, there, there's a world where, you know, you still have your electric car that takes you to the airport, a regional airport. And then at that regional airport, I go to, you know, I go to Nashville. I'm like, okay, I need to see you guys in Johnson City. I fly out there on a more electric aircraft. And that's really great at like the 200 mile range where you're now paying sort of the all electric direct operating costs. Uh, and then back on the ground, there's there's something electric there to you know take me all the way into this couch and chat with you guys. And even today, with this technology in its infancy, I can see that scenario being much cheaper on the EV side easily by a large, large factor today. Not counting what we do know is coming. Just that scenario of going from Nashville there here. Today on the EV side, that's going to be much cheaper, probably 25 percent yeah. of the of the cost that it would be otherwise. And I, I mean, I think a key word that he was talking about earlier with this technology that your company has developed is it's quieter and it uses less energy. And that's something that if you look at the car space, companies like GM came out and that they, they, they they've dropped their Hummer. They put a 200 kilowatt battery in it to get it to go the 300 mile range because they have this massive battery massive weight and that's a means to an end but they, if you get the efficiency which is where you see some of those models trying to develop like ford is working on a how do we vehicle, yeah. how do we get lighter vehicles that way it's more efficient and you don't need as large of a battery to get the same range it's going to be the exact same thing so if you can create a more efficient thrust then the battery need for range is then smaller and yep. so then you can, you know, it allows you to have better range on a lighter, a lighter weight vehicle with that thrust. And that, that's true for cars. That's true for aircraft. That's true for leaf blowers. Yeah. You know, it's true for almost any application. If, you, if it's more efficient, you use less energy, regardless of what the energy source is. So you can slap that same battery pack in your uh, leaf blower and you can get twice the amount of use out of it because it's 50% more efficient or whatever. But yeah, I, I, that's just... That having more efficient results means that the battery packs that are currently in play, not only for aircraft, but for these other spaces, then you can do the same result, but it's just like creating a more effective, uh, more aerostream car. Uh, it allows you to take the battery you have and get more range with it, which is where that technology, like with what Whisper's doing, I mean, that, that provides a lot of opportunity. Um, well, is there anything else you would like to mention or anything we didn't go over? 
Oh, there's so much. There's so much we could do, but I, maybe we keep that for the next one. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back for the next one on that. So uh, anything else, Josh? I think we're pretty good. I mean, it's been great, great conversation. And um, I mean, it's something that, like I said at the beginning of the episode, there's so much coming in this field, and I don't think the average consumer knows about it. Um, you know, it's something that I think people are just starting to get warmed up to the idea of electric cars on the road. And that technology has billions and billions of dollars behind it. It's about to take and, off. And it's about to take off more. But I, I think that you're, you're, this airspace is something that is going to really, quote, take off. Um, <laughs> and I mean, that we, we, we've looked at several, we've looked at several different um, avenues that they're electrifying. And we've talked about the tugboats. And one of the new segments that we were going to reference outside this being a special episode was Vancouver just announced uh, that they get, they're getting their first electric tugboat in. And it's like, you never think of that, but the electrification is coming to so many different areas and it's the aircraft one really has me uh, excited for what that might look like in 10 years. And we'll get into that too, because it, a lot of people don't realize what has already been electrified, you know, leaf blowers, everything, leaf blowers, you know, Definitely leaf blowers. I think that's the best one so far. So. <laughs> Speaking of hot air, this has been Josh Turner. Yep. And I'm Jesse Hensley. Uh, thank you for coming today. Ian. Ian. It's been a pleasure. It. Well, you were supposed to, well, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Whisper Arrow, be sure to look them up if you're looking for a position and uh, that interests you. Definitely hit their website up. Um, I would encourage if you're just an average consumer, still follow uh, yeah, what they're absolutely doing. Absolutely, on all their social media. Uh, go to the different social media profiles. because We uh, just updated our website. So take I a look at that, that too. It doesn't have the coming soon on the front no more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, that was uh, that was rough. You kept you kept titillating me, wanting to see what you were bringing. So. There's still more. There's still more. <laughs> Don't worry. Pro provide your website address. Uh, you can just go to whisper, W-H-I-S-P-E-R dot. Arrow, A-E-R-O. That's simple. Yeah. Simple. Simple. Yep. Ben, turn down for what? Thank you.